Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bccweb.com. So good morning. My name is Vlad, if you don't know. Uh, and I'm really excited about preaching this morning. I really hope that uh, from the message you'll hear today, you'll more understand more of God's heart rather than just hear another preach. And I really pray that God will speak to all of our hearts this morning and maybe even challenge our thinking and challenge everything that uh, we think normally about people and how God wants us to, to be with people. So I'll just quickly read from Luke 14 and then we'll... Uh, Go on with it. So, he said to the man who invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you'll be repaid. But you know, when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat the bread in the kingdom of God. But Jesus said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time of the banquet, he said his servants to say to those who he invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have a married wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. Now I like this 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 parable because it's the first time I read it and I saw it with different eyes. And you know, when you see things with different eyes, it's like, wow, something new happened. And I really hope that all of us this morning will see this parable and we understand it a bit with different eyes. I, I heard this little story or joke about this man who was really, really excited. He has made a woman of his dreams. So he goes to his mom and said, mom, I made a woman of my dreams. She's in the same church with me and I'm really, really excited. So his mom said, why don't you send a bouquet of flowers and a card and on the card invite her for lunch to your flat after church. So he's, done, he's doing this. He sends a bouquet of flowers and a card. He said, why don't you come to my flat to have lunch together after church? She goes and his mom calls him later and says, how was it? And he said, I was humiliated. And said, why is that? Well, she insisted on washing the dishes. So what's wrong with that, his mother asked. Well, we didn't, we didn't even start eating yet. <laughs> and that reminded me of some old days. <laughs> When, when I used to be in, uh, in university, it was, it was awful. I had to learn many things when I started to live alone. But, <laughs> you know, many times it's not, it's not just about uh, inviting people. It's also a matter of what are you inviting them to. You know, it's, it's, it's okay to invite, but where are they coming to? What, what will they see? So that's why this morning I want us to speak about Be Rich. Now, it's not what you think about. It's not, I'm not giving you tips of how to become rich. 
or uh, a way to increase our finances. It's just an acronym which you'll see later, but I want to speak about the power of, of invite. How do we invite people? Why is it so important to have people come into our place? And more, more important, what does Jesus have to say about this? Because ultimately what he says matters and what he says is truth as well. So you see in this parable, Jesus starts by saying when you host a dinner or a banquet. He doesn't say if you host a dinner or a banquet. So Jesus starts with the assumption that you are already inviting people over, you're already hosting dinners, you're doing parties, and you are inviting people over. He starts with the assumption that we as Christians are inviting people over. This is our duty, this is something that we live as. So Jesus is not focusing on convincing and influencing the man to invite people over, but rather he would focus on what kind of people and how to invite people to come to your dinner. Even though it seems quite strong for Jesus to say, don't invite friends and don't invite relatives and rich people, he's actually saying, do not only invite them. Because the reason of us inviting people over is not to get a reward. You know, sometimes, I mean, this is how I am, I, I don't know about you. I'd rather have people that I feel comfortable with coming to dinner if I do something. Because they're easy to have around, I don't need to focus too much, they don't require much of my attention, I don't need to be worried about how to make the sofa or stuff like this. I just come and chill, let's have a nice time together. This is how I am naturally. I don't want to invite someone who I need to be like, oh, would you like, like my uh, golden cutlery and stuff like this? <laughs> let's just be friends, you know? <laughs> who cares about how things look? But, <laughs> so what Jesus is challenging here, the host is basically saying, step out of your comfort zone. It's do not only invite rich people, because it's cool to have them around. Do not only invite famous people, because they're nice to have around. But invite people that you don't know as well. Invite people that maybe they might make you a bit uncomfortable. So it's not just a matter of stepping out of our comfort zone, but even more important of inviting and letting people come in our comfort zone. Because oftentimes we are okay with say, yeah, I need to step out of my comfort zone. But oftentimes it's harder to let people come in our comfort zone. That is probably one of the hardest things to do. Sometimes when people say, Vlad, what are you doing Sunday after, after church? I say, I just want to go home and just stay in bed, you know, or stuff like that. Please, please don't invite me over. Please, please don't invite yourself to come to my place. This is what I say in my mind. I don't say it out loud. <laughs> but it, it, it's not always easy. This is my experience, especially after Sunday or especially after you're tired or something. You don't really want to let people really come into your private zone. Maybe you just want to watch Netflix or doing something all the <laughs> evening, you know? <laughs> so Jesus knows that we are like this. Jesus knows I am like this. That's why he adds even after, he says, so if you are inviting people and you open your house, it's like you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Basically, after you die, or when the end of the world comes, you will be repaid for this. So Jesus knows how we are and says, guys, there is a reward to this. Even though you don't get it on this, in this life, you will get it at the end. So if we invite people and we open our house and we let them come in our comfort zone, we will have a repay. This is what Jesus says. He's really, really kind to us. Because he could just command us to do it and we should have done it anyway. But he adds something to it and that's like really relieving. <laughs> so there was this man there that hears that Jesus says, you will be repaid. This is what the parable says. And he says, blessed is everyone who will eat in the kingdom of God. So basically he heard, oh, there's, there's a reward. Well done. Blessed is everyone who will eat because I'll, be, I'll have the reward. But Jesus, in response to that, he says this parable. And this is what I want us to focus on. I want us to focus on what Jesus has to say about inviting people. 
Now, this wasn't the first time Jesus was invited over for dinner. We know that there were three ways in, in which Jesus was spending his time. He spent his time with God in prayer, so with, her, with the Father daily, morning, evening, in the desert, wherever. He was spending his time with his Father in prayer. The second one, he was spending the time with disciples, teaching and training the little uh, group of disciples, the wider group of disciples. He was always spending time with them, teaching them and training them. And the third category of people was the, like the crowds, indoors and outdoors. So basically part of Jesus' ministry was to go to dinners and be invited over and eat. That's what he was doing. 106 times we find the word eat in the New Testament. That's really good, you know. <laughs> so Jesus ate with friends. Jesus ate with people he knows. Jesus ate with sinners. Jesus ate with tax collectors. Jesus ate with immoral people. Jesus basically ate with all the social classes of those days. If you just, you know, just read in the Bible. Some theologians say that Jesus ate his way through the Gospels. You know? So he was involved in loads of eating, loads of hosting, loads of being invited, weddings, parties, dinners, everything. So in a way, Jesus knew what he was talking about. He's not just talking about God, like, as him being God. He's talking about someone who is always a guest. I would like to have the ministry of being a guest, you know. You always have the best food, people treat you the best, and everything. So Jesus is saying, I know what I'm talking about. I've been invited I host the dinners. I know what it means to be a guest. That's why he's trying to teach us how to uh, host people, how to have dinners. That's why I want us to speak about being rich, and you'll understand later what, what this means. So this story starts with this man that organized a great feast, and he invited many. Then he sends his servant to say to those he invited, come, everything is now ready. That's what he says, come, everything is ready. The servant goes and says, come, for everything is now ready. This is how it starts. It doesn't start with anything else. It first starts with the servant saying, come, everything is ready. That speaks of planning. That speaks of priorities. That speaks of intentions. Before I invite people to come to my party, I make sure that everything is ready. Have you ever been to a place where everything was not ready? Now imagine, let's say, Joe and Nicole get married soon, and we go to their wedding. And when, when I get there, Joe says, ah, Vlad, can, could you help me decorate the place, maybe? I say, Vlad, could you help me set up the tables? Vlad, let's go, maybe I need to buy a suit as well. And, and, <laughs> and Nicole is asking the girls, ah, I forgot to buy the wedding dress. And, <laughs> and then he's like, ah, maybe I should hire the church as well, and everything. There's, not, there's no party after. There's, there's nothing like this. Imagine going to your wedding, and everything is not ready. That's not really the best wedding to go to. <laughs> I mean, if I go to their wedding, I want to celebrate and eat. That's like what I, what, what I desire. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I said celebrate first, okay? <laughs> that, that's what happens when everything is now ready. So this servant goes and he goes to the people that were invited and says, Guys, everything is ready. All you, need to come is to to, or all you need to do is to come, eat, spend time with the master, have a nice time together eat, drink, just feel good. And, but then, when the servant invites them, we find three categories of people that were invited. Now, these categories are not put like this in this scripture, but I put them like this, and you'll see that they reflect the scripture as well, okay? So the first category of people are those that were distracted by the world. It says, go and invite them. And we know that they are the ones who found excuses, right? Because they are the, the people that are distracted by the worries of this life, they are the people who are distracted by the pleasures of this life, and they are the people that are distracted by the riches of this life. Why, why do I say this? The first one says that he bought a field, 
So he had to go and examine it. So, okay, that's why he's not. So please have me excused. I bought a field that cannot come. The other one says, I bought five yokes of oxen. I need to go and check them out. So I cannot come. Please have me excused. The third one says, I just got married. I have a wife at home. Of course, I cannot come. But I was looking at these three people, and they all have in common a thing. They had more important things to do. More important things to do than coming to this feast that he organized. Now, these are not bad things, of course. It's not bad to have a field or to own things. It's not bad to have animals. And of course, it's not bad to be married. These are all good things. But we see that people in this life, they are caught in this circle, if you want, of the worries, pleasures, and riches of this life. So when you go to them and say, I want to invite you to come maybe to church or to my life group, you need to give them a good reason to come. <laughs> you, you can't just say, yeah, come to church. I have more important things to do, they would say. And in, in many ways, they would rightly say so. Because if you invite people to a place where everything is not ready, they would rather not come. Now, the difference is that we as a church, we believe, and I'm sure that everything is ready in this place. On Sundays, when we invite people over, everything is ready. Coffee is ready. Chairs are ready. Uh, everything's a kids' work and gifts and all these things. Everything is ready for someone when they come to church. So we see when we invite people, we need to understand that they will be busy. Because this is, this is life. But at the same time, these people, they have poor excuses. I mean, let's think about it. You bought a field. It's not like the field will, will disappear if you come to the feast, right? It will still be there after the feast, after the banquet. You bought yolks of oxen. From what I know, bulls don't eat wood, right? So the, the, the yolks of oxen will still be there after you have the feast. And about the wife, come with her. It's okay. You don't need to leave her at home to wash the dishes or whatever. Come together, you know? So you see, these excuses are quite poor in a way. And no one really says, I don't want, I don't want to come. They're trying to sort of say, uh, I have other things to do. But we need to give them a reason to come. And we do find this sort of people. I'm sure if you invite someone to come to church, there are times when they find like poor excuses. Tim told me about a student of his last week. <laughs> they were supposed to teach him and Tim waits there for half an hour. He doesn't come. And he told me that his student said I was caught in traffic in Bromley for two hours. I mean, you don't get caught in traffic in Bromley for two hours, you know. You do this on M25, but not in Bromley, you know. <laughs> so that was really, really a poor excuse. Uh, and it's, it's one of the most annoying things to prepare things for someone, and then they find poor excuses not to come. But this is the sort of people we find in this world, the people that are distracted by this world. But even so, the master wants them to come. He knows they're busy, but he still sends his servants and go and invite them. So there's no excuse. He wants them to come. And if you have friends who are busy, that's no excuse for us not to go and invite them. The master says, bring them in my house. I have set everything. Everything is ready for them. I want them to come in. So maybe sometimes you, you are just tired of inviting that one person. They always find an excuse all the time. The master says, go and invite them. It doesn't matter how busy they are. Everything is ready in this place, and I want to meet them. I want to be with them. Yeah. So if you have this sort of friends and you feel like I'm tired of inviting, me, inviting them, don't give up. Continue and invite them because God wants them in this place. God wants to spend time with them. So the servant goes, invites, the people find excuses, they don't come. So the servant goes back to the master and says, Master, I tried, they don't want to come. So what does the master say? Well, I guess it's just the two of us then. Let's make the feast about you and me. It's just, there's more food for us like this, right? We'll eat much more. No, the master doesn't say this. The master doesn't say this. You know, church is not only for you and God. 
It's not only just for me and God. It's not about me coming and spending time with God as he's stroking my back and say, oh, poor you. I hope you feel good. Let me make you fat or stuff like this. No, <laughs> feed you and get you drunk or stuff like this. No. The master is saying, I understand that they're busy. But then he says, go and invite the second category of people. And that category is the people that are disqualified by the word. And I like how the master says, says, go quickly and bring them in. So the first category of people, those that were distracted, says, go and invite. So just open invitation. But with the second category of people, the disqualified ones, says, go quickly and bring them in. There is this urgency in the master's voice. He doesn't say, just chill now. Okay, you did your job. You did your duty. It's okay now. No, go quickly. The disqualified people in this world are, as this parable says, are the poor, the lame, those, those people that are needy. The poor and the needy are the disqualified people in this world because the world looks down at them. Yeah. The, people, the world doesn't appreciate them. The world thinks that they're nothing. The world doesn't love them. The world doesn't care about them. This is how the world, the disqualified people, and you look in history, look at the words and everything. Those that were disqualified were always abused and bullied. And there are these people in this world, and the master says, go quickly. Stop wasting time. Stop just being cozy on your own chair at home. Go quickly because they cannot walk on their own. They cannot afford the bus journey to come. That's why it says go quickly and bring them in. So basically take them and bring them. Don't just say, would you like to come? So I, I, cannot, I cannot afford the bus journey. Well, I guess you're not coming then. No, that's not what the master says. He says go quickly, bring them in. Make everything, do everything you can that you will bring them in my house. I know that the world, that's what the master says, I know that the world doesn't care about them, but I care about them. I know that the world doesn't love them, but I love them. I know that the world hates them, but I care for them. I know that the world puts them, puts them down, but I qualify them. Because those who got qualified, the world cannot disqualify. This is what the Bible says. Those who got qualified, the world can never disqualify. And I don't know in which situation you are, but I'm telling you, as long as God qualifies, no one can say anything else about this. And the Bible says, go out and bring them in. They cannot do it on their own. Yeah. They're poor. Maybe they can't afford. They're needy. They cannot work. Or I don't know what. And the Bible says, go and bring them in. Everything is ready for them too, you know? When, when, when the master has this feast, everything is ready for those people as well. What, what are you going to do about this? To the distracted, the servant says, come. But to those that are disqualified, by the way, we have to bring them in. What can you do to bring someone who is disqualified in the eyes of the world, to bring them in the house of the Lord. Because this is one of the most important places on earth to be in, in the house of God, in the church, with us together. Because at a feast or in a church, we have God, God's presence. You have brothers and sisters. If you, are in a, if you have a problem, the brothers and sisters will help you. I know that life groups that helped each other in their house or garden or all these things. This is what the church is. That's why we need to bring them in. Because the feast is not only for those that are okay, but are those for, are, it's also for those that are disqualified by this world. And the master says, go bring them in because I qualify them. I want them to be here. I want them to rejoice at the same table with me, no matter how low they are in the eyes of the society. I want to make them feel them welcome. You are not who the world says you are. You are, God, you are who God says you are. And we need to understand this even from the start. The, the world tried to feed me loads, loads of lies when I was younger. They, they, I, I used to think that I am not loved because my parents left me. I literally uh, used to think like this. 
at school, uh, those of us who are from the orphanage were always like put in a social class of our own because, and Florin is my witness, we were in school so many years together. They were looking down at us because we are from the orphanage. You have no parents, you are no one in the eyes of the world, so therefore let's all of us look at you as you being a no one. Like it's my fault that my parents left, you know? Like, well, that's, that's silly. I'm okay with this, I don't just, don't feel pity now. But <laughs> <laughs> so. I was thinking on your faces. <laughs> but the point is this, back then I had to learn how to deal with these things. Because in a way, we had to swallow everything they were throwing at us. But I on top of this, so I wasn't like a guy from the orphanage, they were calling us somehow, I forgot what. So they were like no one. But I on top of this, that I was a believer in God. Like that's not a good combination. You know, so I don't know, maybe you're bullied at school or at work because you're a Christian. Oh, you're a Christian again, religious guy, you know what they call. So they used to call me names for being orphan, and they used to call me names because I was a Christian. Not the best situation to be in. So I had to struggle with these things in my life because I was disqualified by them. Because the orphans are nothing in this world, and those that believe in God are really bullied or persecuted. I wasn't persecuted as such because no one beat me for this, but I was really looked down at. But somehow, through God's grace, uh, in time, they, they start to respect me for who I was. And because from a younger age, I understood that it's more important who God says I am. And I understood this, and I accepted this. I said, why don't I just believe the Bible? Because I've already God's word. And if the Bible says that I'm a son of God, I don't care if the world calls me an orphan. It's, it's accusers. Maybe it was my defense mechanism to fight against lies with God's word. But this is basically what, how we should do it, you know? So I don't care what other people say about me. What matters is what God says about me. And I don't care what the world says about you in a way, because what I care is what God says about you. And this is what should matter for your life. Maybe you are nothing in the eyes of some of your friends. Maybe because you're a Christian, you're bullied and you look down at. But God says, I am your father. If the world calls you an orphan, I call you my son. I call you my daughter. It doesn't matter what other people will think about you. Who do you think you are? What do you think you are? Do you see yourself as God would see you? Many times we tend to put ourselves really, really down. But if you look at yourself through God's eyes, you'll see how important you are. You'll see how much God loves you. That's why we need to go and bring them in because people die outside these worlds and they're going to hell and no one ever brought them in the house of the Lord. And God says, I have this feast for them and I want them to come because I love them. I want to spend time with them. I want to feed them and I want them to have a group of friends and family. This is what God wants us to do. No matter who disqualifies you, God will qualify you. That's what matters. That's what will stand because his promises are yes and amen. At the end of, of the days, at the end of everything, what God says about you matters the most. So if you struggle in, maybe in this moment in your life with thoughts about yourself, look at the Bible. Just read God's word because what he says stands and no one can come against it. This is who God is. So if, let's go back to our story. The servant does what the master says, goes and brings in the disqualified people of this world. But then there was another problem. The house was not full. So the servant goes to the master and says, I did what you asked, uh, but there is still plenty of space in, in the house. So the master says, well, I, at least we have a few. Let's just chill for now. No, the master doesn't say this. He says this, go and compel. Who compel? Go and compel the discouraged people in this world. The master doesn't say, at least we have a few in the church. Let's just... Let's just leave it like this, you know. There's a few hundred of us. Let's just keep it there. It's a good number. No. The master says, go out and compel them to come. 
The discouraged people of this world are those who lack confidence. The discouraged people in this world are those who lack identity, are those who think bad about themselves, are those who think that they are nothing in this world. They, they are the discouraged people in this world. And they are those who need compelling. The people that are distracted, they don't need compelling in a way. Because you invite them, and they can come. The people who are, who are uh, disqualified don't really need compelling because they would want to come, they just can't do it. But the people who think bad about themselves, have low, low self-esteem, are depressed in this world, they need compelling. That's what the master says. Go and compel them to come. So that's already like the next level. The master, in other words, says, I don't care, care how you're doing it or what you are doing, but I want, them, I want you to bring them in my house. Basically says, find no excuse. You need to bring them in the house. That's, that's the father's heart. That's the master's heart. The, and I know we find so many people like this in this world. They think low about themselves. They're nothing. They're rubbish. That's what the world throws at them. And they really believe this. And they wouldn't want to come to the feast. Why? Because they say, I don't have the right clothes. I don't have the right shoes. I'm not worthy to come at church because that God cannot love me. That's what they say. But God says, go and compel them to come because I want them in my house. I want them to come here. They are the people who don't feel worthy to be in the presence of the master. They don't feel worthy to be in the presence of God. There are people who don't have the right shoes, maybe, to come. There are people who think that church is for perfect people. But we know better. It's not like that, right? <laughs> church is not for perfect people. But there is this mentality in the world that church is, I come to church when I sort my life out. No. I come, to, I come to Jesus when I'm clean. No. Come to Jesus because you are dirty. Come to Jesus because you are not perfect. Because Jesus doesn't say, before you enter my house, you should uh, uh, clean your shoes. No, he says, come as you are, and I will clean you. I will step down, I will kneel down at the feet and wash your feet. Remember what Jesus did. The greatest host in the world. Before he even dies, he has his disciples coming for the dinner. Right? The supper. So at this last dinner, so the last time Jesus is hosting a dinner, right? Until the end of times. So and he comes and Jesus goes and steps down and he washes their feet. Those smelly, dusty feet. He said, you are dirty, I know. But let me wash you. And Peter didn't want to do this. So, no, Lord, you do, you're doing this to me. And Jesus says, like, shut up. Let me do it. You know? <laughs> Because if I don't wash you, so we need to bring people in to compel them in. If they say, I'm not worthy, say, you are worthy. I'm not perfect, neither am I. But that's why we come to God. That's why we come in his presence. He will wash you. He will clean you. And we as people, as Christians, who live already in the house of the Father. We need to go and compel them. Because in their mind, they're right. They are nothing. They think that God doesn't love them. But God says, I love them, and I want them to come here. When I was younger, I couldn't afford more than one pair of shoes and one pair of, pair of socks. That was like truth, like growing up in the orphanage. This means that when I was going to school, I was having the same pair of shoes and the same pair of socks. When I was playing football, <laughs> I was having the same pair of shoes and the same pair of socks. When I was going to church, I had the same pair of shoes and the same pair of socks. When I was going out in park, I had the same pair of shoes. and so. You can imagine and can understand that it wasn't really, really, really good. <laughs> There were many times when friends at the school or from church, they were inviting me for dinner to come. And I was always lying to them. 
because I was hungry and I wanted to go, but I was saying, no, I'm okay, I have other plans. I was literally lying. Why? Because I didn't want to bear the shame of being exposed as dirty. Now, people wouldn't understand that it wasn't really my fault. That's, that's what I could afford, and that I didn't even buy those reasons, because I just received them, you know? So when I was invited over, I wouldn't go because I knew that the moment maybe I take my shoes off, not good, you know? <laughs> and this is true. I, I, I used to be like this, but I was really ashamed of myself. I, I used to refuse to go in nice places because of that. Because people would look at it and they would judge what they see. But they wouldn't know the story behind. And as Pastor Mark said last week, you, you know only your own story. You don't know other people's story. And they didn't know my story. And Florian can testify that it's true. This is how I used to be. And they didn't know my story. I knew they would judge me in their hearts. They would judge me in their minds. And because I wanted to uh, avoid the shame, I wouldn't go to these places. Even though I really, really desired it in my heart. It was what I was longing for. I like to spend time with people in my church. It was the most amazing thing I could do. But there was this one person, only one person I could trust, and he's sort of the one who mentored me since I was young. So I remember I, I went to his place once, and the moment I stepped in his flat, he could smell that something was really like not good, you know, something was smelly and dodgy. So what he does, he basically says, take your shoes off and your socks off. He, I take them, he throws them in the rubbish bin. He says, go and have a shower. I go and have a shower, and then he buys me socks and shoes and everything. And for me, he was the only person that I could be vulnerable with. The only one. No one else, because I was too proud to let others invade my private space. I was really the charismatic guy that everyone liked for everyone. But inside me, I didn't like myself. But he was the person to whom I could open myself. So, because he saw me as I was. Yes, it's true. I was dirty and smelly. That was the truth. It's there. I cannot deny it. But he knew also why. So he taught me. He bought me shoes. He bought me socks. He bought me a towel. He actually is the one who taught me how to take a shower as well since I was like four years old or five, six. He literally taught me even these things. He was the person who I could feel comfortable with, as I am. So the, the father says, the master says, go and compare them to come in because they can be open with me. They can be vulnerable. I will not judge them. I will clean them. I don't care what the world says about them. I don't care what they think about themselves. In my house, they shouldn't be ashamed because I forgive them. If there is sin in their lives, God says, bring them in my house. Yeah, they are sinners. It's there. But I will forgive them. Compel them to come in my house. I needed loads of compelling to go out with people. I couldn't afford to buy a McDonald's when I was, well, until I was 23, I guess. <laughs> 24. When my friends at church or at school, they were going out for McDonald's or a drink, I would say no. Not because I didn't want to go, but because I didn't have money. And I didn't want someone to buy again for me. Because I like that pride, like I'm a man, I don't need things. And uh, that was another shame for me. Lacking clothes, lacking money. My identity was built around these things. So I was missing out on many things. Because I didn't have what the world says, you need to have money and, and the riches. I lacked these things. And for me, I didn't want to go to these places. I, it really, I needed a close friend to convince me to go because I knew he wouldn't judge me. This is how I used to live. It, it, was, it was really true. For me, and uh, that's why, in a way, now I understand people who lack things. I will, I will never judge them. It's, it's okay. There was, there was this, this guy that came in, in my house some weeks ago. 
So I said, come and have a shower, wash his clothes as well, Florin and I. And once he went in the shower, it was really like the house was really smelling. It was really bad. And my first thought was, oh, come on, wash yourself. But, I, but then I, I felt really rebuked in my heart. I said, Vlad, remember when you were like this? And I got like, I know, like a slap on my face. Wake up, man. Like, you, you're not right. So then I, I just pretended and like nothing is smelly with him. Smiled. <laughs> I said, I, I give you my shower gel and my shampoo, towel, everything you need. I, I'm here for you, you know. Even though I, it was really uncomfortable, trust me. Like, really, really. And he records much of my time and I lose my patience with him many times. But God says, you need to be there for him because I love him as well. I needed loads of compelling but someone's goodness and kindness compelled me to open my heart. And let me say something. The kindest and the, the best person in the world is God. So to him, we can open ourselves up. If you think you're not worthy of opening to God, maybe today will be the day for you. Maybe your friends think that they're sinners and they're like nothing, rubbish. God says, no, I will qualify you as well. I want them to come in my house as well. And this man that... Uh, was kind to me. He was basically uh, the one who built much of my foundation on which I stand today. Because he was someone who believed in me. And because he believed in me, I started to believe in myself. That I want to do something with my life. Not just accepting the status quo. Often, Christian, nothing. No, <laughs> I'm a son of God. I follow God. And I am everything for him. Because God loves me. I remember one of the last times I was in Romania. I went to this pub where my father spends his time with his friends, some of who are my friends. So these are like rough people. They have been to prison not just, not just once, and they have a very rich criminal record. Not a nice place to be in, but I always like to go there just to say hello to my father and some of the people. So as I was there, they were having a drink, uh, or more, <laughs> them. Uh, they asked me, how are you? What are you doing in England? And of course, I say, I work in a church. So when you say, do you work in a church? That's where it like, starts up discussions and you know how it goes. Especially because my father is like, he used to be a gangster in his days. And I sort of becoming a pastor, you know, like two separate things. So they were like shocked, like how, how is this possible, right? So we talk about God, they ask me questions, I answer as much as I can. And at some point my father looks at me and says, Vlad, uh, I would never want to come in God's presence. I, don't, I would never open myself to God. He said bearded God, because that's his image of God. He said, I've done so many things in life that even if I would want to come to God, I'm sure he'd rather listen to people that are more worthy than me. That's what he said. He said that there are other people who need God more than I need in my life. I've done too many bad things. And he's really done like almost everything you can imagine. You know? And he's like, I'm not worthy. He didn't use the word worthy, but basically God will not waste his time with me. And I look at him, after like 30 seconds of silence and everyone sort of agreeing with him, yeah, we're not worthy. And we speak of rough people here, right? There was this moment of total silence, everyone agreeing with my dad, of course. And then I look at my father and said, Dad, who needs a doctor? The sick or the healthy ones? And in that moment, I could see that the penny dropped for him. He understood. You know, church, many times is like a hospital. It's not about the doctors who come. It's about the patients who come in the church. And I know that God has to work on my father's heart. And I pray that one day my father will be really compelled and his thick heart will be like <laughs> open for God and he will receive God in his heart. And I'm praying for this moment. But not, it doesn't matter how many bad things you've done in your life. It doesn't matter what you, about your criminal record. 
Jesus will say, I accept you. I forgive you. I want you to come in my house. The mission we have for those who are discouraged is to compel them. To never ever give up. No matter how many times they refuse, no matter how bad they think about, think about themselves, we will never ever give up. These are the people that we find in the world. They're distracted because they are distracted by the words of life, riches and pleasures of life. They're disqualified who are the poor and the needy and the discouraged, having low, low self-esteem, lacking confidence, and the, their identity is really everywhere or nowhere. These are the people we find and they are in the world. In a way or another, everyone fits in one or two of these categories. Everyone. And you need to know this because our mission is to never give up. Our mission is to invite, bring in. Our mission is to go quickly. Our mission is to compel everyone to come in the house of the Father. This is the Father's heart. Have hope. Trust God. Believe in God. And believe God. This is one of the most important things you can do in your life. I did it. I do trust God. And I will always do it. No matter what anyone will say about me, I know who I am. But that's because God saved me. That's because God told me who I am. God taught me who I am as well. This is, this is my anchor. This is my foundation. That's why I can stay and maybe speak about all things that happened in my past. And I'm okay with it. Because I can use this to show God's goodness towards me, God's love towards me. I'm not speaking from a platform, even though I'm on a platform. But I speak from, a, from like a mountain of moments when I had to trust God, when I learned to trust God, when I discovered that I am loved by God, no matter what anyone say about me. Because God loves me. God brings me in his house. God brings me at his table. Feeds me. Gives me clothes. Loves me. Builds my identity. And brings me into his family. And he is my father now. He is my father now. God knows me. God loves me. God cares for me. God has a plan for me. God has a plan for you. God is on your side. God will never leave you. This is who God is. God is merciful. God is good. God is love. God is kind. God brings joy in your life. This is who God is. So when he says, bring the people in, that's what they're bringing them to. Not just to be fed, which is good. Not just to spend time with brothers and sisters, which is really good. But also to build in themselves identity. To, to tell them, that you are who I say you are. No matter what the world will tell you. I love them. And this is our mission. And we should never, ever give up. The master's heart in the story is God's heart in reality. And it should be our heart as well on a daily basis. God's desire says is that his house may be full, may be filled. That's what the parable says. Compare them to come in, that my house may be filled. Yeah. Think about this. How important it is for God that his church will be filled, that people would come to church. Why? Because it's a matter of where you spend your, your eternity. Your friends, maybe some of them will die at some point because that's life. And the question is, where will they spend their time? Where, where will they be? And we have this... Uh, Mission from God to go and bring them in, go quickly, invite them, and compel them to come because this is where they will find eternal life. This is where their lives will be changed and renewed. That's why I want us to have the, the heart to be rich. Be rich stands for bring in, reach out, invite, compel, and host. Be rich. What if we'd make it our mission to be rich? What if on a personal level, you'll make it your mission to be rich, to bring, in, to bring in people to your house, to your life group, or to the church? To reach out, to step out a bit of the comfort zone, say, I'm here for you. To invite them over to church, to events, to life group, 
to compel them. Maybe they don't feel worthy and say, no, God wants you to be there. God loves you. And to host dinners, to host a meal. As a life group, you can do this. And I, I know that Adam will send an email maybe today, this week, where, where I will send you this be rich thing. Because maybe it's, it's time for all of you or all of us to think about how can we be rich. Because if we want to have the father's heart, the master's heart in the story, we really need to reach out. We, need, we really need to learn how to be rich. That is one of the most important things we can do. If you can, Jeremy Shagan. Think about these words and think about uh, what I said this morning. Because this is the father's heart. It's not just another story. And if you are one of those people who don't feel worthy, God says you are worthy. If you feel disqualified, God says I am, I am qualifying you. And if you are a believer for a while and you've been feasting yourself at the, at the master's table, maybe it's time that you go out and invite others to rejoice as well in the Father's house. Amen.